0: Are you all ready to be in the word this morning is that what you came for this morning at least part of it to get in the word to see what the Lord has to say today let's go to his word today and I pray this for all of us that as we get into the gospel into the word we would have our eyes opened we would see and come to know in a greater way today the hope the life that we have in Jesus Holy Spirit, I pray that as I speak this morning, as we go into the Word, you would speak in people's hearts in a way that I cannot tell them, illuminate to them the things that they need to know, which I would not be able to say. I pray that we would be built up and encouraged and equipped for this Christian life we live. Let us be better disciples today. And I pray that this would be glorifying to you. Accurate to your heart, accurate to the way that we live in Christ. We pray this, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, let's go this morning. Uh, we're going to look first at Matthew 6, 22. Uh, title of this sermon this morning is, Open Eyes, See the Way. Open Eyes, See the Way. That sounds something s- simple. It sounds like something we would all you know, just kind of take under assumption of course if my eyes are open they're going to see the way. You know I was thinking about the place of the eye and what we're going to read in Matthew 6 in a moment is about the place and the importance of the eye and the body. You know I, I often think in terms of light and dark I think about day and night. You know I don't, I don't know if this is the case for any of you but I know sometimes at night I find myself stumbling into things when I'm getting up and trying to move around at the house. I don't know if anybody's ever stubbed their toe on a nightstand or parents if you've ever stepped on a lego in a kid's room at night i mean it's it's more uh more you have to take more caution at night i feel because you can't see things as clearly as you do in the day you know i was i was seeing it this way as i was studying it's not a matter of what's there or not there it's a matter of what i'm aware of and unaware of Eyes are important because they make my body, my mind, aware of what's around me. You know, whether the lights are on or off, like in this sanctuary, the lights are off most of the week. If you walk in here on a Wednesday night and there's no lights on, all these chairs are still going to be exactly where they are right now. The only thing that makes it different in terms of if you see them or not, if you're aware of them or not, is whether the lights are on or not whether your eyes are open or not. And the place of the eye in our physical body is not that it rearranges or changes the layout of what's in front of us. Rather, it makes us aware of what's in front of us. You know, we talk about a good eye versus a bad eye. This is what we're going to read in a moment. A bad eye, one that doesn't let light in, causes blindness. If you can't see the light, then you're not going to see anything around you. Light is necessary in order to see what's in front of you. It's not a matter of whether it's really there or not. It's a matter of whether I'm aware of it or not, whether I see it or not. Let's read Matthew 6, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is sound, your entire body will be full of light. You know, one of the ways, uh, when I read the scripture, one of the things I see is that the eye... And you've probably heard messages preached on this before. The eye is like a gateway. It lets things in. What you allow to come through your eyes are going to uh, reflect the things that are on the inside of you. Well, if you're not allowing light in, if you're allowing dark in, you're going to have that dark. On the inside, there's no light coming from the lamp of your eye. On the flip side, if you're looking to the light, that's what you're going to have on the inside. And you're going to have understanding, awareness about the things that are in front of you. The eye is so important. Healthy eyes are so important because they give us bearing for what's in front of us. They allow us to see clearly and accurately the life in which we live. Spiritually, our eyes function the same way as as physical eyes in this sense. If they are good, if they work, if we allow the eyes of our spirit man to see clearly what's going to happen, is we're going to allow light to come in to our life. But if our eye is bad, on the other hand, it will not allow that light in, and what we're going to have instead is an unilluminated inside. Our, our spirit, man, may be limited in the light we're seeing. And with our eyes, I think sometimes the problem is I don't have my eyes wide open. I'm not looking clearly. Why don't I understand this thing? Why am I not seeing this thing? I think sometimes the problem, it's not that it's not there. You know, we were just singing about how God's a way maker and these promises that he's given us. They're in front of me right now. Just like the chairs stay in the auditorium. That doesn't change. God doesn't change. He stays the same. His promises are the same. The only thing that changes is whether or not I'm aware of it. If I can't see it, I can't have it. If I can't reach out and receive it, I I can't have it working in my life. And so this morning, this message, Open Eyes See the Way. We might end up doing a couple weeks about this. Open Eyes See the Way, it's about becoming aware Of what God's given to me. Becoming aware of what life, what way God has put in front of me. I want to walk the way of Jesus. I want to receive every promise that He's given me. I want to live in the light. Amen. You know, that's an old like DC talk song. I want to be in the light, right? I do. I confess that. I want to be in the light because it's better to be in the light than in the dark. I'm going to avoid difficulty and hurt and damage to myself when I'm living in the light. But if I'm in the dark and I can't see, I might have a few more issues. Let's look at John 5, 17 through 24. Jesus Christ, our example of how we live. You know, as Christians, this is the truth. We look to Jesus as as our example. We're going to read a scripture here in a little bit about how we are to be imitators of him. And what we see is even Jesus, God's son, God and man, part of the Trinity of God, even he had to work with his eyes. Jesus didn't come to earth blind. He didn't walk around blind. He made blind people see. But he didn't walk around blind. And spiritually, he was not blind either. I would say this. Jesus was the most spiritually open-eyed person that has ever lived. Spiritually speaking, his eyes were wide open. He received every bit of light that he could get. And we see it in the Word. He lived a life full of light. In fact, life and light are equatable in the Bible. Let's read John 5, 17 and see Jesus as our example setting this this example of looking to light jesus replied my father is always working and so am i we could preach a whole message about that about how god's always working i mean we sang about it a minute ago but it's good to know god's never not working on your behalf he's never not making a straight path ahead oh this is good this is good there is always a straight path ahead because god is always working ahead of you making the way but I have to see it if I'm going to walk it. I'm going I'm to have to see it if I'm going to drive it. You know, I, I, so I ride a motorcycle from time to time. And one of the things I learned early on when I was learning how to ride one is that you're supposed to look, not right in front of you, but you're supposed to be looking out ahead a little bit. Because if you're looking right in front of you, you might miss obstacles in the road. You might miss things that you need to turn or avoid. Because with a motorcycle, I mean, it's not just like you turn the wheel. You kind of got to lean into it. You got to prepare yourself. You got to really have to move the whole thing. So in order to do that, I want to be looking far enough out ahead. I want my eyes to be open enough and focused enough on what's ahead of me so that I see it before I'm right there. This is the kind of life Jesus wants for us, is that we have our eyes wide open and we're looking out ahead because God is always working out ahead of us. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find him and kill him. And this is because he had done a miracle on the Sabbath and they didn't like that. And really it was because they felt threatened by Jesus because he was doing so much greater of things than they could ever or had ever done. And so they felt threatened by Jesus. They were having problems with this guy named Jesus. They're trying to figure out what he's all about. They tried all the harder to kill him, for he not only broke the Sabbath, but he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. We're going to talk about that more as we go on this morning. But let me tell you something. When you and I say that, there are people, there are forces of the devil that do not like it. Because our position is not lowly to the earth without any help or authority. We have been given the authority that Jesus won back on the cross. Right. We have a father in heaven. We're part of a kingdom that's not of this world. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. And so they don't like it that Jesus is saying, I'm different than you. That's right. I'm of heaven, not of this. Yeah. And they didn't like that. It's still true today. I start preaching about, I'm of heaven and I'm not. I mean, imagine walking out into some secular environment and saying, I'm different than all of you. Tell me how that would go over. Not well. Dare I say, in this way, if you said it this way, you would definitely have a problem. I'm better than you. Nobody would like that. And you know what? The only thing that's better about me is that I have Jesus in my heart. But, But it changes everything. It changes what I'm about. It changes the kingdom I'm a part of. It changes my authority. It changes my position. Thereby making himself equal with God. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. I'm going to stop right there and just say this. That gives you some insight to the life Jesus lived. I could do nothing by myself. This is Jesus saying it. Jesus, he says, I can't do anything on my own. He only does what he sees the father doing. The example is set. I can't do anything on my own. Man, that just sounds like self-depreciating, doesn't it? I can't do anything on my own. I mean, that sounds like something you hear somebody saying when they're just like having a pity party. I can't do anything. Well, that's not what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying, oh, woe is me. I can't do anything. He's saying, God is so great. I can't do anything as good as it's supposed to be done on my own. Only by him, only following what I see him do. Will I ever measure up to what his plan for me is? Oh, hallelujah. Yes, I am limited in what I can do as a human. On my own. But by the Spirit and power of God, oh, the ceiling has been blown off. So much more is available in Christ, in the Spirit, in relationship with the Father. As I look to Him, as I open my eyes to what God is doing, so I will do also. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Anybody in here call God your Father today? Well, then you and I can fit ourselves right into this as well. Only what I see him do, do I. I follow his example. I open my eyes to Jesus and follow after him. He is the way I walk. He is the way I live. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. Oh, my goodness. This is good. He doesn't hold it back. He doesn't put the shield up. He doesn't, he doesn't hide part of life from you. He doesn't hide part of the answer from you. He doesn't hide part of the way from you. He shows you it all. Yeah, I, yeah. What kind of God would he be if he held something back and said, that's not for you? That doesn't feel good, does it? I mean, even as I say it, I think, ew, that's not my God. That's not who He is. He doesn't hide a part of life, a part of the blessing away from us that we just have to fumble around and figure it out on our own. He doesn't put us in a house and shut the lights off on us. Like this morning, there was a person in the bathroom and the lights got shut off on them. We're sorry about that. (laughs) We didn't know you were in there. And you have to fumble your way out, not knowing. I mean, hopefully, you're familiar enough with that that you can make your way out. But imagine being in a maze, no lights, no vision, and you got to figure out how to get out of there. That's cruel. That's mean. That's not our God. No. He shines the light, He illuminates the way always. Every answer that we could search for is found in Christ. It's found in the Word. He doesn't hide it. He shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. He just healed a lame man. He says even greater things are going to happen. Then you will truly be astonished for just as the Father gives life to those He raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone He wants. We're going to go on this morning and break some of this down. We're going to talk about opening our eyes up and seeing the way. Seeing Jesus in the life He's laid out in front of us. But you know, one of the first things that I noticed about this section of Scripture, Jesus as our example, what we're to imitate is this. Jesus did not approach them to tell them all about the way. They came to Him asking. You know, we're a mission-oriented church. We're an evangelistic church. Hallelujah. Amen. I think we ought to be. Yeah. Yeah. The way we evangelize, the way we share the gospel, if we're taking Jesus as our example, if if we want to open people's blind eyes to the way, what I see is this. Jesus didn't go out and push it at people first. Rather, he went out and lived the life. And they came asking. The people that hated him had to know. What if you were living a life where the people that hate you had to know what was different about you? Ooh, That's the life I want. This is the eyes wide open living in deed and truth kind of life that we are supposed to live. When people spend time around us, they should recognize something is different. They should. I think this is step one of evangelism. There should be some... Well, step one's being saved, okay? We need that first. But there should be a recognition that something inside of me is different. I'm not full of dark. My lamp is on. I got light in me. And it makes me look different. I talk, think, act. I do things different. And I'll say this. Different isn't bad. At least it shouldn't be. There is a different that's a bad kind of different. And we don't need to be that. But different... We should be. You know, there's, there's good different, and there's just different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Can I get an amen from anybody? There's, there's good different, and there's different. Yeah. I want to be the good kind of different. A life-giving kind of different. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to be so far removed from what's going on in the world that I can't even talk to someone. But what I think and speak and act upon, it should look different than the way the world would act upon something. Yeah. I think we see it today. People are responding very differently to many things. And I think part of the reason there's such a wide range of responses is because they don't have a way to follow. They're not all looking to the same one. The body of Christ, I mean, and I know this, this is something that can only happen if everybody has their spirit in tune with God, one, one all together. Part of this message is that the only way we'll all ever be able to respond the exact same way is if we're all looking to Jesus. Right, right. But that's how it's supposed to be. I mean, I should, I should be able to talk to one member of our church about something and get a pretty close to the same answer from someone else. Yeah. You know, we're all different. We're, we're diverse, hallelujah. But we're all unified by the message and the Gospel of Christ. Amen. And this is what I go back to. If this isn't where I go first, if this isn't where I look first, then I'm looking to the wrong place. Right. Amen. Jesus is the answer. Yeah. So why would I go to anything else? Right. If I know what the answer is, why look at something else first? Why consider and weigh out other options if I already know what's right? Mm-hmm. I go here before I look at anything else. Like so many others, we see Jesus used by God to share this message about light and, and open eyes and the way faithful obedience precedes the telling of who He is. Faithful obedience precedes the opportunity to share the Gospel. It's true for today. Faithful obedience will precede an opportunity, an open door to share. You know, there's a, an old saying... People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Anybody ever heard that before? Well, it's true. People don't care what your answer is if they don't think you care about them. If, if they don't see the action to back up the word, the word means nothing. Yeah. I mean, imagine if God had said, I love the world so much, but I'm not going to do anything about you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love you, but you got to figure that out on your own. Doesn't look like love to me. But he's a God of action. Action follows love. John 3 17 and 18 speaks to this. It says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart for him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love. He says, In deed and in truth. We ought to, why, we talked about love last week. Telling the truth is part of love, amen? Deed follows after that too. Love is another song from, from back in the 90s. Love is a verb. <laughs> love is something you do, not something you feel only. Love in deed and in truth. You know, I saw it this way. As as I was preparing, and I hope this helps with your understanding as well. But um, you know, we're, we're talking about eyes, right? And if anybody's ever gotten their eyes worked on, I don't know about you, but I like to have someone qualified to work on my eyes. You know, I don't want just anybody poking around in there. Don't want you to mess anything up. I like my eyes the way that they are, right? Well, in the same way that I look for someone with a PhD in optometry, the world needs to see our PhD in life and in love. And you know what? Love is the PhD. Love is what qualifies us to speak to a person and open their eyes. Amen. Just like a, a doctor, they need a degree. Our degree is love. If we have not love, we don't have a voice. Right. If we don't have love, we don't have an opportunity to operate. But love opens the door. Love qualifies you to address Spiritual blindness. You know, as we look out in the world today, I, I know I see many, many needs. I don't know about you, but I see people that that need some things, and a lot of times it, it takes the form of maybe um, health, or maybe maybe they're they're not prospering in some way. Maybe they have turmoil, lack of peace, issues of some. I, there's all kinds of issues in the world, aren't there? Well, I look out there and I see all these issues, and what what I see is this: those people have problems but the problems aren't the problems the the issue that they show you isn't the real issue the visible need isn't the real need you know it's kind of like a rock in your shoe if i had a rock in my shoe i'd probably be walking a little different well you might just think he walks weird but the problem isn't the problem the issue isn't the visible issue it's something beneath the surface it's something you can't see in the same way I believe so often with people that are walking funny, they look like they got something wrong. It's not the thing you see. Rather, it's blindness on the inside. They got a problem, but it's much deeper than what it looks like. It's not just a matter of they're sick today. It's a matter of they they don't know a healer. They don't know what Jesus bought for them on the cross. They have not received this abundant life that we have and the only way to really fix them is to get them to see and receive this life Ephesians 1:17 through 18 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened Open their eyes yeah. The only way to open the eyes is to receive the spirit to receive the new life but you know what when I show up in someone's life and my light is pouring into them and they realize I got some darkness but this person sees just like Jesus they're going to come and start asking what is that? who are you? what's different about you? you see they, they see the degree they see that you're walking in life and in love and they say I want what you have And then you have the opportunity to say, I know a way that's different than the way of this world. I know a way that is not confusion at every turn, that is not hopeless and and bleak and dark with no end. I have a better way. I know Jesus, the way and the light. People need to have their eyes opened. Amen. We need to have our eyes opened more fully. Amen. I believe we're a church full of open eyes, but I just say this, I'm never going to be content with what I've seen so far. I want my eyes to open up and receive more and more. I want to see more of what's in front of me, more of the way ahead. I don't want to miss things on this journey, on this race of life. I don't want to see things that I was meant to pick up and bring with me. I don't want to miss people on the path of this life and not get to bring them with me because my eyes were blinded in some way. I, I, I want to know about healing, whether it's for me or somebody down the road that needs that to turn them onto this path. I need to pick up all the things that are available to me, and the only way I'm going to see them is if my eyes are open. Jesus looked to he looked to his Father. He says this, all of these things I'm saying, all of these things I'm doing, I didn't come up with them. They're from God. Yeah, that's a, just imagine if Christians said that today. Like if, if that was how we approached life. I think over time, Christians have caught a lot of flack because some of the things God has said don't line up with what the world says. And so to say, well, God says this, About it, well, now they have a problem with me. But you know what? It's not about me and what I think, it's about God and what God thinks. And I think this is one thing, and I wasn't even going to preach about this, but like the judgment issue, people don't understand judgment. I'm not judging anybody, but God has already judged some things, and I'm not going to hide that because that'd be hate. If I hate you, I'm not going to tell you what God says. I'll hold that back because you might not like it. This relationship might might be strained if I tell you what God has said about that. So instead, I'll just let us be good here and then you can burn in hell later. (laughs) Hate. It's the truth. I don't want to judge. I don't want to figure out what's right, but I will look in the Word and I will tell you what God has said. Because if I don't, then I hate you. And I don't want to hate. God loved the world, so will I. We need to look. Ephesians 5, 1, I told you we'd look at this. Paul writes and says, Be imitators of God as dear children. It's simple. Children imitate their Father. They look to Him and follow His way. This is what we ought to do as well. Jesus set the example for us. Now I do the same. I look to you, Father. I look to your word. I look to your direction. I look to the way you have in front of me. And that is the way I choose to walk. Jesus says, I watch and do what my Father does. So I will watch and do what my God does. I've seen him. So now I can watch and do according to what I've seen. Colossians 1.15 Colossians 1.15 It says, He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. Talking about Jesus. It says, Jesus is the image of God. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Now when this was written in the Bible, there were People living and walking and ministering who had physically seen Jesus with their eyes, physically spent time with them. Today, I think maybe this is a a question that we might struggle with a little bit more. What does it mean to look at Jesus? What does it mean to look at, at God? And I feel like this is something I often come back to, but it's this, it's spending time in His Word. It's spending time in worship with Him, time meditating His Word. That's time looking at Him. Uh-huh. When I take a scripture and I am letting it stir on the inside of me, that's looking at Jesus. That's what it looks like. Yeah. I mean, I can't come here and put an image of Jesus on the screen and stare at it. No, the Word is Him. And so I look to the Word. Yeah. Right. Meditation, time in Word, time in worship, time in prayer. You know without the foundation of the Word. The reason the Word is so important is this. It is, it is the basis to get revelation. I have never, never in my life gotten revelation on something that did not start with a foundation of a Scripture. The Holy Spirit's going to reveal things to you. That's, that's what the Bible promises. He's going to reveal all things in truth to you. But it starts with having a foundation for revelation to be built upon. If, if I don't have a Scripture, if it's not in the Word, if I don't know any Word, I'm not giving Him anything to work with. That's right. I mean, He is an amazing builder. He, he can build the greatest thing out of just a little bit. I heard a story one time of a guy who wanted to do street ministry. And so I'm not saying this is the way you should do it, but he cut up a Bible with a bunch of scriptures. And he took these scriptures out and he just started putting them on doors and, and on street corners and just all these places throughout the city. There was a pastor in his ministry. They had gone and done this, okay? They posted all these scriptures all over. Well, some guy was walking down the road and he got a scripture that told about how long people had lived in the Old Testament. It was like some person in the Old Testament, they had lived 900 and some years. And the revelation that came, the Holy Spirit, this is how He works. He goes, you know, you're going to die one day. What's going to happen then? Life is so short. What's going to happen at the end of it? That man was in church the next Sunday, gave his life to Jesus. This is how it works, but without a foundation of Word, I'm not giving Him anything to work with. I I have to open my eyes a little bit when i look here i'm opening my eyes like you know in the morning you probably have the oh i gotta open my eyes up maybe you don't i do it's not always easy the first time i mean my eyes aren't just like i'm ready to go sometimes it's a struggle to get the the eyelids open it's kind of like that sometimes maybe maybe i'm not just whoa i'm looking today But if I'll open this up and start reading the Word, I'm cracking my eyes open and starting to let light in. And when I start letting it in, more and more comes. This is how we're supposed to. Look to God the way Jesus looked to the Father. Looking to Jesus, to the Word, in any situation first will always yield a better result. I said this a little bit ago, that he ought to be the first one we look to in every situation, in every circumstance. Now I'm not saying you're never gonna have to look anywhere else for any piece of information in your life. No, that's not what I'm telling you. What I am saying is this, when you go to the word first, you are setting yourself up to discern things, understand things, learn things, In this life on earth, learn things about the world through a perspective of God. But if I don't go there first and I go into the world and try to get their information or their take or whatever, my vision on it's going to be skewed. I'm going to be missing the voice of God in this matter. Before I ever go and try to find an answer on my own, I want to have Him there with me. I want to invite Him into this process of making a decision, finding a way forward. Otherwise, I'm on my own, and that's never a good thing. It's never good to be without Him. You know, I think when we talk about looking to the Word first, often it's easy to say, yeah, I would do that if, I, if this was about you know salvation, or if this was about heaven, or if this was about you know, praying, or something like that, then I would look there first. But this, this doesn't have anything to do with God. <laughs> Guilty of saying that. Let me tell you this. Everything. Natural circumstances, business, decisions, needs, wants, relationships. All of those things, God has something to say about it. Yes, he does. And I'm not saying he's going like to give you the answer to the problem. But approaching a solution, trying to find an answer with his perspective, is going to be a whole lot better than trying to do it with only my man perspective. I want to be looking. I want light coming in and showing me what's out in front of me. Because in every situation, these things about God are applicable. The peace, the joy, the comfort, the confidence, the clarity, the strength, the discernment, the wisdom, encouragement, the right standing as a child of God in His kingdom will change the way I approach every situation. Everything will change. Whether it is about church, and my spiritual life, or if it's about my business or my home or my relationships. These things, have, God's perspective applies in every piece, every time, every moment in life. God will change the way. Having my eyes open to Jesus will change the way I approach everything in life. The Holy Spirit will come in and guide me. He will help me through finding the way. I mean, it's like having a flashlight with you. You see everything that's right in front of you. But if I don't invite him in, if I don't let him walk through this part with me, you know, if, if I let him join me on my path on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, but I shut him out the other five days of the week, I'm still going to be lost. Yeah. Well, turn him on Sunday, I don't know where I'm at. How did I get here? I'll just turn that back off and keep going through the dark. <laughs> No, I want to walk with my light on all the time. I want to walk with my eyes seeing light all the time. I don't want to walk around blind. Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father do. You know, what's encouraging about this is Jesus lived a blessed, victorious life. You know, and and I think, I believe this is part of what this message is supposed to show us. When we're only doing what we see the Father do, we're following God's way in his plan you know there there are people that have a problem with with people that talk about the abundant life and about being blessed and prosperous you ever heard no that prosperity gospel name it and claim it bunch things like that look it can <laughs> that can go to an extreme where it's an error but let me tell you this when i read the bible i don't see a god of lack I don't see a God that's hurting and trying to scrap things together. I mean, Jesus, his ministry had a, a, a guy just to keep the money. They had an accountant, so they must not have just been living off of scraps. Like, God's kingdom, the streets are paved with gold. So I don't think he's, like, hurting. I, I'm not a Christian to get ahead in life. I'm not a Christian to be prosperous and wealthy and all of these other things. I'm not a Christian just so I'm healthy while I'm here. But as a child of God, as someone that looks to God for the way I'm supposed to live, I see life. I see provision. I see wisdom. I see strength. And so I'm not going to say I don't want it. I'm not going to deny it. I believe that's part of the life He has intended for us. Yeah, if that's what I'm after, then I'm after the wrong thing. But if I'm looking to Him and that's part of what I see, praise the Lord, Amen. I receive it. Yes. <laughs> it's not about getting ahead. But as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, I'm going to live a blessed, favored life. Yes, and if you don't like it, come on and join me. If you don't like that I'm, I'm being favored and blessed in some things, maybe you should come to church on Sunday. might change your life. See, everything changes when we look. Boldness is a result of looking to God. You know, as as we wrap up this morning, we've got a few minutes left, I want to talk about some of the things, and I don't know how many we'll get through, but I want to talk about some of the things that happen when we have our eyes open and we're looking to Jesus. How does it change my life? I mean, we've already kind of touched on a couple of the things but, but how does it change the way I approach my life? How does it change the way that I'm living today when I have my eyes open and I'm looking to Jesus in everything? Boldness is the first thing I'd like us to look at. Boldness is a result of familiarity. Familiarity comes out of coming to know Him, looking at Him. Time in the Word, time praying, time worshiping, time meditating the Word. So I spend time doing these things. I'm going to get to know Him better. You know, if you've ever gotten like a new car and you've got to figure out where everything's at, Anybody ever done that? You got to get familiar with it. You got to get familiar with, you know, is the shift lever up here, is it down here? Where's the trunk button? Where where am I? You got to get familiar with it. Well, in the same way, I have to get familiar with God. And the longer I spend with God, the longer I spend looking at God, looking at Jesus, the more familiar I'm going to get and then the more bold I'm going to be. I don't know about you, I drive my truck a little bit different than I drive other people's vehicles. I'm Part of that's ownership. Part of it though is I know where everything's at. I know how it works. Yeah I know what that sound means, it's okay. We, we can still go, we're good. Yeah the light's on but it's alright. You go different when you're familiar. You're bolder when you're familiar. If you're ready to get bold in your spiritual life, spend time looking at Jesus. That will make you bold as a Christian. It will make you bold in the face of questions, doubts, or lies. This is what we need today is bold Christians that aren't turned off by question, that aren't turned off by doubt, that aren't turned off by lies from the enemy. We need bold people that are willing to stand up and say, yeah, I see that, but I know what the Word says. I I see what you're doing, but I've got light on it, so I'm not scared of that. Acts 4.13, we see Peter and John before the Sanhedrin, this council of Jewish leaders. Acts 4.13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized they had been with Jesus. These were men that don't—they didn't know any... like." They weren't smart (laughs) uneducated untrained and here they are like giving us things we cannot refute they're talking to us in a way that like we got nothing to say back so we'll just lock them up instead that was their answer because they could not come against and it wasn't because Peter and John were so smarter they had things figured out they hadn't put together like a 10 step 10 point argument for the Sanhedrin they went the spirit spoke through them they were familiar with Jesus and so they spoke boldly is what it says when I'm familiar with Jesus when I know who he is who I am in him I'm going to be bold in the way I approach life I don't care who it is questioning me I know the answer and I'm not going to move Call me intolerant or unflexible, unwilling to see another view. I'll listen to you, but if it's contrary to what the Bible says, I'm not going to budge. Because people's opinions, people's ideas, cultural expectations change like every other week. So if I, do, if I change everything about me to make you happy today, are you going to be upset with me tomorrow because I'm not far enough along? Okay. Am I going to have to change again next month? Not with the Word. This hasn't changed in 2,000 years. And so I can be bold in this. Knowing, like, I actually have heard even this, and it's a great illustration for how this works in the world. I've heard of like lawyers today who can't even practice certain kinds of law because they don't know how the laws have changed. I've heard people say, yeah, the rules change like every month, so we just really, we don't even get involved with that. That's messed up. Talk about a confused people, a confused society. If you don't even know what's right or wrong, you got problems. Well, I know, and I'm bold in it. I'll speak boldly about right and wrong because it hasn't changed. I'm confident in it because I've seen it in Jesus. I do what I see Him do. I believe what I hear from Him. And I think one of the other things that's amazing about Peter and John going before the Sanhedrin, and I think this is supposed to be true for us today too, is the way we live and the things we allow God to speak out through us make people marvel. It's different. It's different. Peter and John were different. When they talked, these guys recognized that there was something different. It wasn't a bad different. In fact, they led a lot of people to the Lord. It wasn't liked by the people that weren't willing to accept what God said. But it was marvelous. It was different. This is how we ought to be. There are going to be people that don't like what I have to say. There are going to be people that don't like what you have to say when you're telling them what you see in God. But it's going to be different. It's going to be something that makes them stop and consider. That's different. That's contrary to what I hear everywhere else. And I think that's a good thing to be as a Christian. Contrary to what is widely accepted. I mean, if it lines up with the Word, I'll accept it. But I'm okay with contradiction. I'm okay with not just going along and conforming to what everyone else believes or says. Amen? Amen. I go to the Word, and this is where I find my answers. I don't think we're going to get past boldness this morning, but let me give you a little bit more on this subject. We're going to go to Hebrews 4.16. You know, besides just moving through life, you know, not being put off by questions, not allowing doubt or, or lies to change your direction or change your beliefs. Besides that, kind of the personal aspect in this way, and really it's an evangelistic thing, there is also uh, an element where when you come to know Jesus and you're familiar with him and you're familiar with the word, you're going to approach prayer differently. You're going to approach God when, when you are in need differently than if you are not bold, if you don't know the Word. Claiming what God promised boldly is an act of confidence in what has been seen in Him. You know, just like Jesus, I mean, He did not walk around the earth timidly. Or, and, and timid isn't the right word. He wasn't scared. He, he wasn't nervous about stepping out and doing things. He wasn't, stepping, he wasn't nervous about healing people. He wasn't nervous about preaching He wasn't nervous about any of the miraculous or revelation that He gave. He was bold in it. He was confident in it because He saw it in the Father. The same way, I believe, as we look to the Word and we see what He's promised to us, we see who He's called us, we're going to be confident in the way we step out. Not just the way we answer question or criticism, but also in the way I live. I'm going to walk differently going back to the you know, waking up in the middle of the night example earlier, I don't know about you, but if I wake up and I'm walking through a dark house, I walk differently. I'm kind of doing this sort of thing, you know, and I'm, I'm guarding my toes because I don't want to stub them. I'm walking different. But when I have the light, I walk boldly. I'm not nervous about it. I'm, I'm not scared to share what the Word says because I'm confident in it. The same way Hebrews 4.16 It says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God has made grace and mercy available to us in Jesus. And I I don't want to spend my time groveling before God when He wants me to come in like a son and say, Lord, I thank You that I'm forgiven and I've been made righteous. I am Your Son. I'm a child of You, God. I know that Jesus died on the cross to provide grace to me in my life and so I receive it now in Jesus' name. That's different than the, Oh God, I come before You today knowing I'm a sinner and I've done wrong again. I ask that You would please consider forgiving me. He already forgave you. He already sent Jesus. He already loved you enough. To give you mercy. And God, if it be your will, if, if somehow, some way, you might be able to heal me, he already healed you. He already did it. I went to a service one time, not in a church near here, and uh, the minister was, was talking about get, receiving the mercy of God. And, and there was a prolonged period of time as he's talking about this, he just goes, we must beg him for his mercy today. Beg him. Beg him. Beg him. He's <laughs> like, man, how much begging are we going to do today? I-, I ask humbly, and I don't want I don't, I to make this, I don't want to take light of this either. I- I'm humble in the way I approach God. I recognize that he is great, and I would be nothing without him. But I also recognize that He has not made me nothing. He made me His child. Children talk to their parents differently. Amen? (laughs) And all the parents said amen. (laughs) Yeah, you talk to your parents differently. I talk to God differently because I know Him. I'm familiar with Him and so I'm able to come in boldly, respectfully, humbly, but boldly. It's possible to be humble and bold at the same time. You know that. I can be humble and bold with God, and that's the approach I believe He wants from us. He wants us to be confident and know that when we come to Him, He is a good Father. He gives good gifts to His children. He has made a way. There is grace available for today. Kind of the last thing in this topic of boldness... I want to address this morning. Is this the way I pray and be, pray and believe? You know, the bolder I am, the more sure I'm going to be about what I'm praying. If I if I don't know something, I'm going to have a hard time praying it. Amen. If if I'm not sure what God has said about it, I'm going to have a hard time praying about it. If if you come up against that, I would encourage you to go to the Word and find out what it says about that. But here's kind of the other the other side to that is. I think sometimes we can pray and believe things that we have not seen in God. You know, and, and I guess the question I'm getting at here is, do I believe what I believe? Do I pray what I pray because I've seen it in Jesus? This is a question I ask myself all the time. When, when I'm putting sermons together, when I'm just studying on my own, I ask this all the time. Do I, do I believe this? Because it's what the Word says? Do I believe this because it's what Jesus exemplified? Do I believe this because it's, it's written here? Do I pray this out because it's something that lines up with what Jesus has taught me? Or did I get that somewhere else? Did I find that while I was looking somewhere else? This is a challenging thing for me. And, and I believe it is for all of us. We ought to be able to discern what we're seeing in the Word from what we're seeing in the world. I want to look at the things I pray, look at the things I believe, and I want to make sure they're based out of the Word first. Yeah. got to make sure it, it lines up 100% with this, mm-hmm. and then I'll figure out how it lines up with the rest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. you know, I, I don't care if it's 100% what I wanted over here, it needs to be 100% with this. Yeah. And the rest will work out. Yes, right. Know. Right. You know, I just told someone in our Saturday morning study the other day, like, I'm actually kind of selective of who I ask to pray for me. And I don't know if you are, but I am. Like, I don't want just anybody praying for me. I mean, like, if it was that message I was telling you about a minute ago where you know I sinned and I need to ask for forgiveness, and I've got somebody praying, God, I pray that as he begs and begs and begs, he would be forgiven. Well, that might be a problem because that doesn't line up with what I'm praying at all. I'm praying, God, you already sent your Son as the payment for my sin. I know I've been forgiven and redeemed and made righteous. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Those prayers don't line up, do they? And I believe what I'm praying is based on the Word, but I want to know what I'm having. Other people pray for me is based on the Word too. I want to know that what I'm believing is based here and here alone. Everything else needs to line up with the Word in my life as I look I see the light first and it shows me where everything else is at amen you received that this morning amen. our eyes are open we're seeing the light let's have the worship team come on up Hallelujah. and you know to wrap up today I want to share the last two verses of this section in John 5. If we can pull those up, John 5:22 through 24. Jesus continuing to talk about who he is, what he's seen in the Father. He says this, in addition the Father judges no one. Oh wow, that'll that'll change some people's theology. The Father judges no one is what Jesus said. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent Him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. That's a good promise. But they have already passed from death into life. This is why the bacon thing doesn't work. Because I've already passed from death to life. Hallelujah. And I want to offer this this morning. If you bow your head and close your eyes. As we talk about opening our eyes. Close your physical eyes, but open up your spiritual eyes right now. Those of you here in the service, those of you joining us online this morning, I want to invite you, if you have felt like you've been walking through life blinded to the truth, If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never allowed light to come into your life, I want to invite you right now to do that. I want to invite you to join us in praying to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Here in John 5, we have a promise. He says... Those who listen to my message, that receive me as Lord and Savior and believe in God who sent me, they have eternal life. They'll never be condemned, never have to pay the price for their sins because those people who have received me as Lord and Savior have already passed from death to life. And if that's you today, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you're ready to do that. You're ready to pass from death to life. To have your eyes open to the light of God and see who He is and what He's put in front of you. Then I invite you to join me in this prayer. If there's anybody in here, you've never prayed this and you're ready to do it for the first time, I just want you to put your hand up as an acknowledgement before God that this is me. Today is my day that I open my eyes. Today is the day that I receive the light. I pass from death to life. Even if you're watching at your home, through online and watching, I want you to raise your hand, not for any of our sake, but for God and say, that's me. I'm passing from death to life today. All right, now let's all pray this together. Those of us who have received the light of God, let's speak it out as a confession, a reinforcing affirmation of our position, of the life we have in Him. Father, I thank You for sending Jesus to die Take my sins, bury them in a grave, and cause me to pass from death to life. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord, the King of my life, and my Savior, the one who paid the price for my sins. I receive forgiveness and right position with you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah, aren't you thankful for the light that we have, the life that we have? Tell you what, let's all stand up and praise our good God together.